You're listening to the Brand Builders Lab podcast, episode 32. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies that work, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast, podcast friends. That's what I feel like you are. If you jump in and you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, then I do consider you a friend. And I love getting messages through Instagram, DM and Facebook, etc. with people saying, I listened to the podcast and I really loved it. And I just can't tell you how much I love hearing that because at the end of the day, I'm creating this for you. And it's because I love having conversations with really great business owners, entrepreneurs. I love sharing with you some of the lessons I've learned along the way as a business coach and a brand strategist. I work with so many different clients, both in corporate as well as small business, that I do think that it's just a, it's a learning process every single time we do something new and, you know, our clients and the market is always changing. And that's one of the reasons why I do love that uh, this podcast is called Brand Builders Lab, because I do kind of feel like it's an evolution all the time. And today I have got Amy Lee from Heart Content talking all about brand story. Now, Amy and I have known each other for some time uh, and Amy has such an interesting story of how she ended up where she is as well. But today's topic is obviously something that's super close to my heart. Brand story, really understanding how you build your brand story, how you build that experience for your customers, how you really craft this. And I think that that's one of the key things that I talk about a lot is making sure that you craft your brand experience message and story so that it is exactly what you want it to be and your customers are experiencing it in the way that you want them to as well. But Amy's going to dive in deep today. This is probably a longer episode than what we normally have, but it's got so much good stuff in it that I really do hope that you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's podcast. Amy Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. Now, obviously, you and I kind of sit in the same realm and you are a woman after my own heart. Brand, brand story, content is where you sit and what you're passionate about. Absolutely. And and so today I really wanted to share, I guess, that passion with my listeners because brand story is just something we're hearing about everywhere at the moment. It is. It's absolutely everywhere. And I think as well that uh, there's perhaps a bit of confusion as to what brand story actually is. So uh, it seems like a simple thing and for the most part it is, but there's actually quite a lot of depth to it. So I'm hoping we get a chance to share that today. Absolutely. That's what I definitely wanted to dive into. But I always do like to find out a little bit more about my guests on the show. And so for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your business and how you kind of came to be where you are right now? Absolutely. So I've been running heart content now for 
nearly four years. I'm coming up on the four-year mark. Uh, and that started as a result of uh, the universe kind of aligning me to be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of other things happened along the way. So, look, my, I've had a very, very long career in communications. I've always worked in communications. My degree, so my qualification is actually in film and television production. So that's Yes, which I always find fascinating when you tell me that. Which is where my passion for content started, of course. So uh, through my career, I've worked in public relations, I've worked in advertising, I've worked in brand management, I've worked in events management, I've worked for a short amount of time in video games, and obviously I also had uh, a film and television production company. Uh, and one of the things that we were doing at the time, and this is going back over 10 years ago, uh, was creating branded content. And that was something that was completely, completely new. Um, nobody was doing that. It was new terminology. Uh, and so I've always had a real passion for, for content. Um, so more recently, after a stint in London working at the BBC, came back to Australia, worked for a boutique advertising design agency, reignited my passion for copy and copywriting, and then went on for a couple of years to work in... Uh, digital, so just in a purely digital space, so websites, apps, social media, uh, and I got a little bit stale. So I found that I was exercising the account management side of, of me um, and not enough of the creative side of me. So I kind of left that, that role not knowing what would happen next, and a week after leaving, I got a phone call from someone who said, such and such told me you might be able to help me with a piece of copy. And several months later, I had a few clients uh, and, and things were starting to happen and I was doing a lot of content and my husband actually said to me, I think the universe is trying to tell you something. So <laughs> Amazing. Sooner, than I, sooner than I thought, I started uh, my new business, Heart Content. And over the course of working with my customers, I found a really big gap in the market for content specialists who know how to do brand story. So for me, I was having clients come to me and they were saying, you know, I would love you to write this piece of content for, you know, a brochure or for a website or for, you know, whatever it might have been. And I would ask questions like, well, who is your target market? Uh, you know, what tone of voice are we trying to communicate here? What do you want people to do when they read this piece of information? Where else is it going to appear? And lots of my clients did not have the answers to those questions. So brand story for me, you know, I knew brand story and I'd, I'd done um, brand management, but it wasn't something for me that originally was a signature service offering, but there was a massive need for it. And so I started evolving my own brand story process and I now put the majority of my clients through this process before we even write a piece of content or even do content strategy together. Awesome. And so for those people who don't understand what brand story is, how would you define it? How would you kind of, I always say this, how would you explain it's like a five or a 10 year old? <laughs> okay. So essentially what I do through brand story is I help my customers make sure that what they say and what they do are in alignment. And I think that's the very first key to understanding what brand story is. So brand story is not the about page on your website. It's not a narrative story about how your business started or the services that you offer to your clients. It is that, but that's only one version of brand story. So if we think about a brand as something that 
belongs to our clients. So our brand, even though we're guardians of it, actually belongs to our clients and the way they see our brand. So our brand story is something that also belongs to our clients and our customers and our potential customers. And our brand story is the story that they tell themselves and other people about us. So it's actually how they would describe us to other people. It's the feeling that they get from every customer interaction. Brand story is everything. It's in every asset aspect of your business. So it's in everything from the way your receptionist answers the telephone or the way you answer the telephone through to the way the copy reads on your website to the suite of services that you choose to provide or not to provide to your customers. All of those things add up to the bigger picture that our customers use to understand our brand and who we are and relate to us and create a connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk a lot to uh, my clients as well around the brand experience. So, you know, what is, what is that experience? And just like you sort of said, it's, it really is from the moment that we say, come onto a website or we hear about somebody or we meet somebody or it's like all of those different interactive or interactions that we have. And I think that it does definitely evoke an emotive response as well where, you know, when I speak to somebody or I read something, it makes me feel a certain way. And when I work with somebody, it makes me feel a certain way. So do you see it more as the, uh, the content as well? Because you do come from a content background, yes. that is that the main, that's the main focus that you have around brand story is really about how you're telling that story, whether that be verbally or through written content? Yeah, absolutely. But I also work with my clients to look at things like uh, the way they communicate their returns process if they sell something online. So what does that process look like for their client? And is it reflective of brand story? Yeah. So for me, brand story falls under sort of six foundation elements. So, so got- maybe let's dive into that then because if somebody's listening now, when we talk about brand stories, this is a structure that you use yes. to try and help people to understand what their brand story is and how they kind of tease that out and structure it. Absolutely. So for me, I I have this thing that I call the foundations of brand story and it's made up of six components. So the first is vision. So this is the end game, the reason that we exist. Next is brand mission. So this is the path that we're following to achieve our mission. It's what we do and how we want to change people. We've got our brand differentiators. So this is the reasons that people would choose to work with us rather than one of our competitors. We've got brand values. So this is what we believe in, what we stand for, uh, and what defines us uh, as a brand. You've got brand personality. Now, brand personality is one of the places that I play most, of course, because from I come from a content space. But so your brand personality is how you speak, your how you behave, your tone of voice, and your personality must be inherently connected to your values. Those two parts of the brand foundations of brand story sit really closely to each other. Then, of course, the final thing is the tribe. So the tribe is the people that we serve, what they care about and how they see the world. And they're actually a really important component of brand story. So there's a lot of buzz going around at the moment about finding your why and starting with why. Now, why is fantastic, but what's more more important than your why as a brand is your customer's why. 
So you need to make sure that if you're thinking about how your why influences what you do, that you're also thinking about how your customer's why and what's important to them influences the choices and decisions that they make so that you can connect your why with theirs. Because otherwise, you've got a massive misalignment. And more often than not, that's what happens when we don't have a really clear brand story, when we don't have a really clear understanding of who it is we are. We create disconnections when we communicate with our customers or create experiences for our customers that don't line up with what we're saying. So that's where I come back to. I help my clients make sure that what they say and what they do are in alignment. And And how would you say that businesses need to understand more about their customers? Why? How are some of your customers finding out more about their customers? Why? Uh, My biggest piece of advice is that if you, if there's something that you don't know about your customer that you want to know, you should ask them. Uh, We so often forget that, especially our advocates, so our customers who just adore us and talk about us to everybody else, they are amazing untapped sources of information um, and they are willing to share. So if there's something that you don't know that you would like to know about your customer, about their motivation, about um, why they keep working with you, about what worried them before they started working with you, uh, what was it that got them across the line with you, were they looking at competitors, what made them not go with those competitors, all of these questions. And, you know, it's perfectly fine to ask your customers this. I think we get a little bit nervous about tapping into those things with our customers, but they're actually really happy to share that information with us. So maybe let's dive in a little bit deeper into the different elements that you were talking about a second ago, Amy. Now, for those of you who are listening, if you head over to, to the podcast page, there is a downloadable uh, infographic that Amy has provided that you can obviously use as well to go through these six things so that we're going to go through now. Yeah, the infographic is really useful and it steps you through the six elements and it also explains to you how to use those elements to influence the way you roll out brand story in your business. So the first one is is your brand vision. Now, vision and mission, which is the second element, are very, very much connected. So what your vision is needs to be um, the broader goal of of why you do what you're what you do so your your vision really is you know if we're talking about starting with why your vision your vision is essentially your why so why why is it that you do what you do um and then your mission is connected to that is is how you execute on your vision every day so it might be for example that your vision is to change the world through the design of easy to use uh, software. Something like Canva. Something like Canva. (laughs) I would suggest that that's probably their vision. Yeah. Um, The mission that, that attaches to that is how they execute on their, on their vision. So it might be that um, we create uh, software that, um, is easily accessible and easy to use for our users globally. Yes. So that's where we get into the nitty-gritty a little bit more of, of, of what our vision Yeah. Know. It's kind of the who and the what. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So who, who we're serving. Um, so there, there is a lot online about developing vision and mission. 
So if that's something that you're a little bit unclear on within your brand story, because my guess, my experience is that most people have an idea of at least a couple of these elements. So they might not have the whole picture, but they've definitely thought about it at the very least. And they probably have, arti have articulated at least two or three um, of, of these elements. So it's just the foundations of brand story is about bringing it all together so that we're getting it to work together in a cohesive way and that we use it as an active part of our business every day, that it's not something we write and then put away in a drawer never to be seen again. Yeah, I was actually saying the other day because I did a video, geez, it must be two years ago now, uh, which I'll link in the show notes about how to create your vision and your mission uh, and talking about values as well. But I find that, one, a lot of people don't know or haven't articulated their vision and really sat down and thought about it. Like, what is it that I want my business to be or become? You know, yeah. and I think they generally know what they want to do but not always what they want their business to be kind of thing yeah. and have that bigger picture. The other thing that I find helpful is that when you have a clear vision and you've sat down and thought about the big picture, what I say is that it becomes a compass for the decisions that you make in your business. So whether it's a product or a service or a collaboration or whatever it is, if you know what your vision is, then it always becomes a compass or a checkpoint. Does that product service collaboration action help me to achieve my vision? Absolutely. And does, it, and does it meet my mission? And if it doesn't, then you've got to ask yourself why. So the example I gave was, I'm going to run events for men. Now, if my vision is to become one of the leading event training and education businesses in Australia for women in business, that doesn't meet my vision. It doesn't serve my vision or my audience. So I think having a vision is really important. I think a lot of people kind of go, well, what's, what's the point? Why yeah, do I absolutely. need it? Like I know what I want my business to do generally. But I think that it's helpful in making decisions. It is absolutely. And to take that even one step further is that if you get each of these foundations of brand story right and you've thought about them, all of them actually work together collectively to help you run a more efficient business that's guided towards vision. So, and, and I mean, that comes down to, so if we think about just skipping brand differentiators for a moment and going down to brand values, which is the fourth, the fourth element on the infographic, people sort of think that values are this fluffy thing, right? That we write them, and we put them on our website and they're nice to have and they're nice to have. And that's all wonderful. But in actual fact, having a really clear understanding of what our values are and how that connects to our customer helps us make decisions every day in our business. Articulating our values is the answer to that funny feeling when you're about to embark on a partnership with somebody or you know, start promoting a new product or um, send out a piece of, you know, marketing material that doesn't feel quite right, that's values. That's a misalignment of values. It doesn't feel right because it's not meeting the values and therefore the vision um, of, of what you're trying to create. So values are a really, really fantastic thing to have 
So if, you know, vision is a compass, <laughs> um, you know, values are a barometer for that weird icky feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you're offered an opportunity and it doesn't feel just quite right. If you've got your values clearly articulated, you know why it's not right and you can immediately, it makes it easier to say no. Because yeah, that's such a great way of describing it because I do think a lot of people see values as, uh, as fluffy, like you said, but, but we do know when something doesn't feel quite right. Exactly, exactly. And values help us make good choices for our customers too. So, um, you know, for, for me, I've got uh, a client who works in the online retail space and one of their values is um, like quality. Now, quality is something that anybody could have as a value and that's fine. Like, and this is the same for points of difference. So everybody thinks, oh, my points of difference have to be that nobody else has ever had um, or that none of my competitors have. And, and that's not necessarily true, but I'll come back into brand differentiation in a minute. But, you know, so one of their values is quality. Now, that doesn't mean just quality of the product. That means quality at every step of the way. Yeah. So, you know, is there imagery evoking a feeling of quality when, when, when they've got photography in their website? Um, is the tone of voice, you know, that we've created for their brand linking to that feeling of quality and does it tread the line of because they also want to be fun and adventurous does it you know does it tread that line really well when we're looking at tone of voice you know mm -hmm. um which obviously i'll talk about brand personality in a minute but they can use that value of quality to benchmark against every element of of their business you know is the packaging that they're sending their product out in quality are the service providers that they're using to get their product to their client on time, are they quality? Um, is the customer going to feel that value of quality every step of the purchasing process and then beyond that as well? You know, in what other ways can we action the value of quality within our business? So yeah, and I think luxury brands obviously do that really, really well. It's like every, every element of the experience, like you said, from the purchase to the packaging to the garment or goods itself, uh, should, <laughs> yes, should reflect that. Yeah. No, like there's no point in saying, you know, one of the things that we value is quality and then, you know, putting, putting your quality product in, you know, in 50 cent cheap, looking packaging because instantly you're creating that disconnection. So what you're, what you say and what you do have become two different things. And when you create that disconnection for your customers, it breeds mistrust. Yeah. So, and mistrust is what stops people from buying you, buying from you. Yeah. It's interesting. And I can't remember what business it was, but I do remember buying something that was not cheap. It was quite expensive and the way that it was either delivered or the packaging was pretty average. And it did just kind of make me think, mm, that just doesn't feel quite right. Like I wasn't really expecting that. I, would, I was yeah. expecting more. Yeah. And, I mean, you and I, we recognise that, you know, as, as a brand misalignment because we work in this space. But lots of customers get that icky feeling and they don't know what to what do. What it is. They don't know what it is. So all it does is create an icky feeling about the brand. 
Yeah. Um, you know, they can't, they can't put their finger on what it is that's made it feel icky necessarily. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that I, um, when I'm working with coaching clients just around process and systems and things like that and pricing, it's a really interesting one because if you do charge at a higher price, then really your process should reflect that as well from a visual branding perspective, like you were saying, from a written perspective. So if I'm spending however much, $3,000, $5,000 on something, then even the way that I receive an invoice to the way that I receive contracts to the seamless uh, way that I can make a payment and get a receipt, like it's little things like that, that when you're paying a higher price or when you're trying to do something that is a higher quality, then there are all of those little bits and pieces that really also have to, I think, be impeccable uh, so that people kind of feel like, oh, yeah, like they are operating at a different level. They are delivering, you know, great service, but my experience with them has been really good one as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, that's so, so true. And one of the things that if we pay attention to brand story is that it actually allows us to see those things in our business that we wouldn't otherwise see. So it allows us to have a checklist essentially of does this piece of paper that I'm about to send out meet brand story? Does, you know, the, the service that I'm building for my customer, does it meet brand story? Um, and, and that's not to say that you should never publish anything <laughs> because if we spent time putting everything through every single checklist, um, then we would spend You'd never get it out, yeah. never, getting in, never shipping anything. <laughs> yeah. But what it's about is getting to know our brand story so intimately so knowing it so, so well that we're able to make those sorts of decisions and make those sort of distinctions completely seamlessly almost without thinking about it. Yeah. So when, when we are living and breathing our brand story, uh, you know, we are able to do that. We are able to make those really tiny split-second decisions that actually make all the difference for our customers. Yeah, for sure, because you should be able to look at something or listen to something or read something and just know immediately is that on brand or not? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we work towards. And brand story should be aspirational. Um, this is something that I talk to my clients about all the time is that when we're going through these, you know, these steps and evolving them for a business is that it's perfectly fine to discover, actually, we want to be this for our customers, but we're not. Because then you're make, making yourself aware of, well, okay, we're not, but we want to be, what do we do to get there? What yeah. do we need to change in our business um, so that we're delivering what it is that we want to deliver for our customers? Uh, so I think that that's something that's really important to remember too is that it's okay if you're not nailing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it takes time. It does. Like I, was, I was asking, um, I think it was the Digital Picnic Girls in episode four, uh, did they nail their brand from the beginning or was it something that evolved over time? And I just think they nailed it from the beginning. But I just kind of think that sometimes it is an evolution. Absolutely, especially if you're in a professional services capacity where, you know, you are the product. Yeah. Um, because people are not one-dimensional. 
So, you know, as human beings, we're changing and evolving everything that we do all the time. I mean, just look at my business. Brand Story wasn't a product that I was offering when I first started my business, but I saw I was doing it anyway. I ended yeah. up doing it anyway and then sort of thought I really need to be taking my clients through a structured process uh, to, to get to this so that they understand the value of it and can apply it in their business without me. Yes, you know, absolutely. Because that's really important to me that, that we're not building something that then gets put in a drawer and they never use it again. It's really important to me that we're building something that they think about in their business every day with every interaction. Yeah. Um, and that it's easy for them to communicate it to the people that they bring into their business. Um, you know, because let's face it, we all want our business to grow, whatever that looks like for us. Uh, and that means being able to articulate our brand story, not just to our customers, but to the other people that we bring into our business and making sure that they're articulating brand story, um, you know, with every interaction that they have with our customers as well. Absolutely. So we've got vision and mission. We've touched on values as well. So what about the brand differentiators? Okay. So coming back to brand differentiators, I said before that that doesn't have to be something that nobody else in your industry is doing. <laughs> brand differentiators are the things that make you unique. Uh, now, you may share some of those with other people. My sense is that if you dig deeply enough with your customers, you will find some really, really fabulous points of difference that perhaps you weren't aware of before. Uh, so when we're doing points of difference, there are a couple of things that I get my clients to do. One is to have a look at the two or three competitors that are taking business from them. So that's not necessarily, you know, the really, really massive conglomerate that, you know, that might be a competitor. But what we're interested in is the people who they're directly competing with. So when quotes turn up on a desk, which, which company are you appearing next to? Who else are they considering? Now, the other thing that's really important to think about when you're thinking about competitors and points of difference is that one of our biggest competitors is often our customer making a choice to do nothing. Mm -hmm. So... When you're thinking about points of difference, consider what it would mean for the customer to do nothing and the difference that you might bring in the way you execute what it is that you do that would create change for them. So even if you think I'm starting something completely new, there is no competitors, so I'm completely different to everything that's out there, that's fantastic and that may well be, may well be the case. But if you think about a competitor as being the customer choosing to do nothing, even though they're aware of my service, that'll help you start to really get a grasp on how important it is to have points of difference um, that, that allow you to show the change that you'll create for your customer and the type of journey that you're going to take them on. The other thing is, is with points of difference, if you choose something that somebody else has, you need to make sure that you own that point of difference. A perfect example is customer service. So many places use customer service as their point of difference. And that's perfectly okay. What it's important to do is make sure that you are doing customer service better than any of your competitors in that space. So you want to own that point of difference so that when people have an experience with you and then they go to your competitor and your competitor says, oh, we give really great customer service, 
they kind of laugh. They yeah. go, well, the customer service, it couldn't possibly be as good as what I'm getting from, from you. So um, Zappos is, a, yes. is an example that comes up a lot um, for the customer service point of difference. So for those that don't know, Zappos is, a, is an online shoe company. They don't do terribly much differently than any other shoe company in the world. They make shoes. Um, but their level of customer service is so exceptional that that is what they pin their business on. So, so their brand is about customer service. And at every customer touch point, you feel the level of excellence that they have um, to their customers and, and that they're so committed to providing the best customer service in their industry uh, that nobody else can touch them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're an example that I use a lot from an employee engagement perspective because the reason that they have exceptional customer service is because of the level of employee engagement and how much people love working there. Uh, and they hire based on somebody's ability to basically do whatever it takes to make the customer happy. That's how yeah. they hire. So it's really, yeah, it's a really interesting one, but they are, yeah, they are definitely held up as such a great example where they will just do whatever they need to do to make sure the customer gets what they want. Yeah, and, and that's a really fantastic example as well of brand story in action. So they've taken their point of difference and they've said, well, how do we put that into practice for our customers? And one of the ways they do it is by allowing their staff to do whatever it takes. Like there's, there's a level of, um, you know, responsibility that they give to their staff and a level of decision-making that they give to their staff. So they don't, you know, they say, we expect you to do whatever it takes to make the customer happy and we give you carte blanche essentially to deliver on that because that's how committed we are to customer service. And that's how committed you have to be to your own brand story too. Yeah. You know, it's, again, it's one thing to put all this stuff down on paper, but you've got to learn in your business to live and breathe it every day uh, and, and make sure that you're creating systems and processes within your business that allow you to act this out so that you are creating that experience for your customers and they start to associate certain feelings with your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that um, crafting that experience is so important, uh, like actually sitting down. So, for example, you know, when I talk about why I started the Connection Exchange events, it was because I went to lots of different events and I couldn't find what I was looking for. I'd go to some and they'd be really big and, I felt that they were really impersonal and I didn't really meet anybody and then I went to others and it just wasn't like, you know, sometimes I'd be stood on my own and all of these sorts of things. So when I decided to start events, I actually sat down and I wrote down what I wanted that experience to be and I wanted it to be a certain size so that you could meet people and I wanted to have, you know, the one thing I always said is no one will ever stand alone at one of my events like if I see people I go and I either introduce myself if I don't know them and then I go and I introduce them to somebody else to making sure that I kind of pair people up or bring other people in and and uh, the other thing was is that I really wanted beautiful food and I wanted to learn something like I always wanted to leave with more knowledge than what I had come to the event with and so there were all these things where I think that if you know your industry really well 
and you know what others are doing, you can really deliberately craft the experience that you want people to have. And so that's something that I think is always a work in progress for me, but it's something that I'm so deliberate about. Yeah, absolutely. And we all should be that deliberate about it. You awesome. Know, um, and, ta- and take the time. Like brand story is strategy. It, it, it should form a really, really big part of business strategy. And your business strategy and your brand story should work hand in hand together. Like your brand story should inform your business strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know like I'm, I'm working with a client at the moment who uh, came to me with uh, a, like a business plan that is, you know, she's created through her MBA and it's pages and pages and pages long. And I didn't even get four pages into it. My very first question when I met with her was, who is this for? And she's like, well, exactly. Isn't it funny? And so that's where I said, okay, well, I actually think we need to put the business plan to the side for a moment and work on brand story because once we've got our brand story nailed, then we'll know who the business plan's for and then we'll be able to write it in a way that like that evokes your brand. Um, you know, if, if this is designed to, to get people to invest in you and invest in your business, you know, they're asleep by page four, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I haven't, and I haven't got any sense of who it is that you are or who it is I'm buying into. Uh, so, you know, getting brand story, right. Um, impacts all of those things. So brand differentiation, uh, just coming back to that to sort of wrap it up, it's, it's the way you articulate the change you create for your customers. And it's okay to choose points of difference that are challenging or uh, that are things, like I said before, things that you want to aspire to have as a point of difference but don't have now because you do want to make sure that some of your points of difference are challenging the conventions of your industry. Um, that are creating an experience for people that then, you know, they're not going to have anywhere else because you're not following the status quo, whatever that might be for your industry. And when you're thinking about points of difference too, look at other industries, you know, um, that maybe are in a similar space to you or, um, you know, industries that have undergone significant and rapid change recently. And have a look at what difference it is that those companies who are leading those industries did to create change. And that will help you come up with some ideas of points of difference that might be relevant to you. And I think just looking at other industries or other organisations, I think is a great way of trying to keep yourself fresh as well. Like what are other people doing that's really innovative, that's not in my space that I could adopt. And it might be something that's quite different. Um, you know, I always joke around with my designer that I'm like, you know, if Gorman and Sunny Life had a baby, then that's what my visual brand needs to be. Um, I once went to a spa. This is like, I kid you not, 15 years ago in London. That was such the most amazing experience I ever had that I was just like, if I could create events that made me feel the way I felt when I went to that spa, that's what I aspired to create Uh, You know, it's just looking at what's amazing about other businesses and kind of going, how can I adopt that or how can I tweak that or how can I use that 
to make my business different, better, more amazing for my customers and clients. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, coming back to brand story and my service, that's how it evolved as a service for my customers. That and, it, and it's a point of difference. So I still get lots of customers come to me thinking they need a content strategist, right? Um, and then because of the types of questions that I ask that no other content strategist is asking, no other copywriter is asking, we uncover all these other things um, within their business that, that brand story can solve for them. Um, and particularly for my small business clients where there's, you know, they don't have reams and reams of marketing money. Yeah. If they've got brand story right, they'll spend their marketing budget in the right place, talking to the right people in the right way every single time because they know they know why they're creating that piece of content. They'll know who it's for and they'll know what they want the person to do with it um, when they see it. So that's how that service evolved for me was just by by doing and then looking at, you know, I've I had clients come to me from, from brand strategy places and with these beautiful, you know, brand documents that, yeah, they talked about vision and mission and, you know, the space we're going to own in the market, but none of them had brand personality. So let's get down to brand. Yeah. Personality. I was about to say that's crazy. <laughs> let's do that. Let's do the jump. So, yes. so brand, brand personality uh, in action for me is, is creating tone of voice. So tone of voice is as much the things we aren't as the things that we are. Uh, and this is something that, because there's a fine line, I was speaking earlier, I think about there being a very fine line often with tone of voice. So by that, I mean, we might choose that uh, based on our differentiation and our values, that one of our tones of voice is confidence. And in every piece of communication, we should, you know, speak with confidence. But there's a very fine line between confidence and arrogance. Yeah. So that's a distinction that we need to make sure that we're making when we're thinking about tone of voice. Uh, if you, the best way to work out what your brand personality is, is to think about your brand as if it was a real person who you were having a conversation with. So if your brand was a real person and you were having a conversation with them, how would you describe the way they speak and how you feel after a conversation with them? And you should pull out those words and start using those words as a way of articulating your tone of voice. Now, the reason tone of, getting clear on tone of voice is really important and actually having that as a documented thing within brand story is that then when you, when you write anything uh, or when you get anybody else to write anything, everybody's singing to the same songbook. So your brand gets an opportunity to evolve its own tone uh, instead of that tone always coming from you or if it goes to somebody else, it sort of starts to develop another tone. Now, having said that, if, you're, if you are your brand, then it will be natural that your brand personality will have elements of your tone in it. Yes. And that's, absolute, that's absolutely fine. 
Uh, but there might be tone of voice things that you want to convey that are less natural to you. Again, the aspirational that you can work on. So if you set those as your tone of voice, uh, you know, confidence is another good example. You know, if you want your brand to be confident and speak with a confident tone of voice, but you tend to get a little bit nervous when you're talking in front of people or doing podcasts or anything like that, working on your confidence um, and doing things that make you feel confident and, and building on that uh, will help you nail that tone, that tone of voice uh, across, across every piece of communication that you have, verbal or, or written. Yeah, and I find uh, I was talking with somebody, I kid you not, yesterday about this, where I almost feel like I have to unlearn my corporate tone of voice. Because yes. I've been in corporate for so long and because I write consulting reports all the time and I joke around that it's, you know, this, therefore, hither, there, unto, kind of, <laughs> you know, um, and therefore the report states that 46%, blah, 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 that in my own business, because I my brand personality is a lot more fun and a lot more like bigger and bolder and, you know, um, confident, etc. that, and I want to be telling more, you know, more stories, better stories, that sort of thing, uh, and really connecting is that I do struggle to get out of the corporate brand voice that I'm so used to being in and kind of breaking into being just a bit more loose and, you know, fun and a bit more carefree. Absolutely. absolutely. And the thing to remember, like without, without getting too deep and philosophical, um, but there's, there's this thing, um, that, that I, that I talk about a little bit, but I don't want to get too deep. It's language games. So our life is made up of, of, of language games. So, and, and what that basically means is, is that the, the way we interact with one group of people may be very different to the way we interact with another group of people. So we have our, I'm talking to my mum voice where I might not drop a swear word and <laughs> you know, uh, things like that, which is different to the way that I talk to my friends. Um, you know, which is different to the way that I talk when I'm talking to a client, which is different. So those are all um, language games, ways that we use to express ourselves. Now, all of those are part of us. Again, yes. I come back to we're not one dimensional. Yeah. All of us have, you know, we're, we're multifaceted as human beings. So that's why deciding and making a conscious choice about what your brand personality is. Uh, and if you have a brand that you need to bring other people into and make them feel a part of, uh, and you want to outsource some of your content and things like that, brand personality is a really, really key part of brand story to make sure that every you know piece of communication that goes out is in the right tone. Brand personality and tone of voice are things that I think are underestimated when it comes to consistency of communication. Uh, and it's not something that lots of brand strategies for me from my from my end anyway with the, with the clients that I've worked with I think it's definitely an essential part of brand strategy uh, but it's certainly not something that always appears there uh, and which is sounds I kind of think it's just the, one of the basics yeah I know so yeah. but it does seem insane that, that um, brand the brand strategy that I've come into contact with recently is very visually driven okay uh, so it's more just visual branding 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very visually driven, still considers, you know, it's still vision, mission and, and points of difference, like, you know, what what space in the market are we going to own, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and who our customer is. So, you know, it always includes a bit mm. of that customer. Um, but, it, but I'll get to psychographics in a minute when we talk about the tribe, but um, I was going to say that, that they often include a lot of demographical data and um, not, in my view, sufficient psychographic data, but we'll get to that in a moment. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, brand personality is just something that you, you cannot underestimate its power um, because it is what is the articulation verbally and in your marketing um, of your brand values and your points of difference. So making sure that's nailed at every touch point uh, is incredibly important. Now, I, I actually have another resource that I haven't given to you, but that I'm happy to share, um, which is called a personality assessment sheet. And essentially, it's essentially a, an A4 sheet full of prompt words. And what I suggest people do is print out two copies of it. On one copy, circle five to ten words that you want to be associated with your brand. And on the other sheet, circle five to ten words that you don't want to have associated with your brand. And that's a really, really great place to start when thinking about brand personality. And then you should try and narrow those down. I don't recommend anybody has more than five um, elements to their tone of voice. So, um, And then what you want to do beyond that is think really seriously about how those how that tone uh, becomes real for you. So, so, you know, if we are talking about being confident, what does that actually mean when we're writing or communicating? What does that mean for us? So uh, for some people it might be that, that we speak um, assertively and with authority. Uh, you know, for other people it might be that we're happy to share our faux pas um, and that we don't mind sharing our failures because we're confident enough to do that. Yeah. So, you know, you need to then take that thinking one step further, push it that one step further and think about what the articulation of that tone of voice in, you know, in practice is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, brand personality to me should inform every element. It informs the written content, it informs the images, it informs the experience. It, you know, like it's just absolutely. like, yeah. So to me, that's why I think it was one of the basics of, of brand strategy because I don't think you can actually articulate all of those other things no. without knowing, like your brand personality is the heart and soul of yes of your brand. So, so it's, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then of course the final element and for me, like all of these are important, but, but the most important one for me is the tribe. So, so this, this is the people you serve. And the reason they form a significant part of brand story is because if you understand who they are, and what they need and how they view the world, you are more than 50% of the way there at being able to concisely and clearly and consistently communicate to them why they should have a connection to your brand. Uh, I don't like the word, let's, do, let's get into a little bit of wordplay here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the word avatar. Yes. Uh, I We've talked word, about this before. I think we have talked about this before. So I prefer the word persona because mm -hmm. if you're going to write a broad description 
uh, of who your customer is and what they need um, and how you serve them and, and what their fears and, and dreams are. Um, they need to be a real person, <laughs> a persona. An avatar to me is, is something that's fake. So it's, it's something that we put on as a mask um, to, to pretend to be somebody else. So, so for me, the distinction between avatar and persona is actually quite important because simply by using the word person mm -hmm. uh, in the way that we describe it uh, reminds us that we're talking about real living, breathing humans who experience an incredibly large range of emotion, mm -hmm. um, which brings me to the demographics versus psychographics. So lots of us know the demographic information about our audience. So the demographics are the quantitative stuff, the, the stuff that we can put numbers on or very specific facts on. So it might be that they live in certain suburbs, that they fit within a certain age bracket, uh, that they're women or they're men uh, or a combination of both, uh, that they have, you know, 2.5 kids, that they, you know, earn a certain amount of money every year. Um, all those sort of things are, you know, demographics. I'm not saying that they're not important. But the way you create real connection with your customers is by understand, understanding their psychographics. And that's one of the reasons I call my business heart content. So the psychographics are the heart and soul of your tribe, of the, of the people that you serve. So the psychographics are things that you know about them that cover a spectrum of the things that keep them lying awake at night, um, the motivation that they have to buy one thing over another, uh, what do they do when they get backed into a corner, what, um, you know, is their aspiration for 10 years from now and where did that maybe even come from? Uh, you know, the thing, I think I'm sure I said earlier at least, the things that they fear, mm. um, what compels them. To, to action, you know, uh, all sorts of questions like that, uh, you know, are the, the questions that really help us understand who our customer mm. is uh, and what makes them make one decision over another. So um, an amazing salesperson that um, I've worked with and known for quite a while talks about uh, the fact that we make all purchasing decisions emotionally. And she tells a story about uh, how she once said that in a room full of men and that they all laughed and scoffed at her. And she said, well, let me give you a practical example related to politics. There had just been an election. And she said, well, just think in your mind, you know, who you voted for. You don't have to tell everybody, but think about who you voted for in the last election. Now think about the reasons that you voted for them. So, you know, it might be they had really great policy on education or they had this or they had that. And then she asked them the question, now tell me why you didn't vote for the other guy. And nobody could do that. And the reason is because we make all our decisions emotionally and then we wrap logic around the decision that we choose to make so that we can justify it to other people, but we don't wrap logic around the decision that we choose not to make because we're never questioned about decisions that we don't make. Yeah. We're only ever questioned about decisions that we do make. So that's just a really great reminder 
um, that whilst it's great to fill your website with features and benefits, that if you can really get to the heart of what the problem is for your customer and what their frustration is uh, and how they view you in relation to their world or don't view you in relation to their world because the other thing to remember about your audience is that you are not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the other thing that Brand Story can be really helpful with in deciding what customers are not right for you. Um, But if if you can do that, that's when you start to make real connections with your customers and that's when you start to build really strong brand story and that's when you start to build brand advocacy. And at the end of the day, brand advocacy is the holy grail because, you know, that's, that's our customers talking about us to other people who are just like them. Yeah. Uh, and they do all the hard marketing work for us. So I really encourage people to think about what they know about their customer from a psychographic point of view. And if there are things that they don't know, like we said earlier, go and ask, go and ask your customer, pick your favorite customer, take them out for lunch. Um, and, and, you know, ask them all of those questions. You will be surprised what you find out and what knowing those things that our customer helps us to do is make sure that our brand personality is talking to them make sure that our brand values align with them, make sure that our points of difference are actually ones that matter to the people that we serve and to make sure that we've got a vision and a mission that our customers can join us on. Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I do think that all of those things are things that we do have to sit down and think about. I think that, sometimes we're just so go, go, go and do, do, do that we miss the opportunity to really sit and ask the questions that are going to make all the difference. It was like when I built the Play Big Brand Bold online course and I spoke with over 50 women to actually ask them a lot of those questions. Yep. You know, what, what, when you're procrastinating, what are you doing? When you're not making a decision to do something, why are you make, not making that decision? Like what is it that you're feeling? What are you thinking? Uh, what, you know, is it lack of confidence or self-esteem? Like all of these things that it is literally those things that keep them up at night um, when it comes to their business. And I just think having the opportunity or making the time to speak to your customers at that level is just a game changer. It is, without doubt, without doubt it is. And I think we get nervous about doing it because we don't want to admit that there are things that we don't know about our customer, but there are always things that we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like we said, Um, we're always evolving. Our customers are always evolving. The market is changing every other week, day, you know, hour. So I think that it's so important for us to continue to ask those questions. Absolutely. And what we need to do as a general practice is get more comfortable with asking those questions than we are comfortable with not knowing the answers. Mm. Or making the assumption. Yeah, or making the assumption. Yeah. Assumptions are we can sometimes pin massive decisions in our business on on assumptions that we're making um, when we would save a lot of time and energy and money if we just 
asked the questions to the to the right people. And as as your brand story, you know, as you get to know your brand story really, really well over time, you and this is this has certainly happened for me. I can smell a client who's not right for me a mile away. You know, I have some questions that I will ask and they are my trigger, you know, they're my trigger questions. <laughs> and based on the person's response, I will know whether or not they're the right client for me. Partic you know, and you would know this too, Suze, but for me, I work in a space where if the person I'm working with doesn't truly believe that I can help them, I can't help them. Yeah. So it really does come down because they have to come on a journey with me. Yeah. Um, and, and the questions I'm going to need them to answer and the things that I'm needing them to do are not necessarily easy things. Yes. I'm going to challenge them. I'm going to make them look at things in a way that they haven't looked at them before. Uh, and I'm going to push them to places in their business, and, you know, into all the dark, dirty corners that they don't <laughs> really want to look, you know, um, you know, and, and so they need to be willing and ready to come on that journey with me. Yeah. Uh, to be able to get value out of it. Otherwise I'm just wasting my time and their time and their limited resources. Yes. Uh, to end up with a customer who didn't get anything out of the experience and is kind of grumpy about it. And I'm kind of grumpy about it too. Um, I don't know about you, but I do find that if I take on someone who's not quite the right client, the feeling that I get from that, it impacts all my other clients who I love. Yeah. Like sort of the negative space that's created by this friction um, because of the creative nature of the work that I do, it, it follows me around Yeah, uh, and it means that I'm not delivering my best work to my clients who I love. Yeah. And um, this is like a whole other podcast episode because I had somebody that asked me, because I was saying, what are some of the things that you're struggling with in your business now with the survey that I sent out to all yes. my subscribers, etc. And somebody said one of the answers was how to deal with clients that are a real pain or something like with, with, when clients are bad clients. And it's funny that you talk about those trigger questions because I'm the same. I send a questionnaire and I have a conversation, etc. But there are questions around are you fully committed to this process what have you done before? What's worked? What hasn't? How do you like to be communicated with, etc.? Where I can tell pretty quickly whether they are in a space to do the work that's required to be done in order to get them to where they're saying they want to go. Because like you said, one, I don't want to waste my time or their time and their money if they're not going to get the result they're looking for by working with me. So I do, and the other thing is, is that sometimes you end up with bad clients because you take them on thinking, well, it's another client, it's another job, it's yes. great. Uh, but really, if they, there isn't a brand alignment and there isn't an alignment of action of what needs to happen in order to achieve that goal, then it's just going to be bad for everybody. <laughs> it is. It does end up being bad for everybody. And I think that the clearer you get on your brand story and your values, yes. it helps you to identify clients that are not right for you. But on the flip side of it, it, if you get really good at brand story and really good at articulating it in all your communication, you will actually find that clients will bet themselves. So you yes. don't end up even in the conversation of having to convince them that you're not the right person for them. 
Um, and I've got a recent practical example of that, that I had a client who I love refer me to someone. She told me about it. She said, I'm not 100% sure he's right for you. But anyway, I've told him about you and he's going to go and have a look at your website. And a month later, I caught up with her. I see her fairly regularly through a networking thing that we do together. And um, she said to me, oh, everything you were telling me about Brand Story came into fruition with that guy that I referred to you, he came back to me and said, oh, no, I had a look at her website. She's not for me. Perfect. Right. So, and I said, well, that's great because I haven't taken this guy out for a coffee. I haven't invested any of my time. He hasn't invested any of his time. And clearly there, you know, you thought that he maybe wasn't the right client for me and you were right because, you know, you know who I am. And I was able to communicate that through my website and he took one look at it and went, oh, yeah, she sounds good, but I don't think she's right for me. Yeah. And so, I think that that's good as well. Like I would rather somebody vet themselves out, save everybody time uh, and, you know, just be attracting the clients that are right for you. Absolutely. Because if, if you work in small business, which, you know, most of, you, most of the people that you work with and most of the people that I work with are in small business, uh, and most of the podcast listeners, you know, will be in yes. small business. You don't have time to spend doing things that are not going to eventually, yeah, in, in business for you. That's not yeah. to say that it's not good to occasionally take a risk or follow a hunch or all of those things. But if you're really clear on who you are and what you're trying to achieve and you're able to articulate that to other people through brand story and experience, um, then you allow yourself to take hold of the opportunities that have real, you know, force behind them um, rather than kind of flitting at every opportunity that comes your way. And that comes back down again to, you know, values and tone of voice and the number of times I've worked with a client who's put an ad in a magazine that just is not on brand for them. Like your, your customer is not reading this magazine why do you spend the only marketing money you have for this entire quarter on putting in an ad that you put together quickly? It doesn't doesn't have a, the right call to action on it. And even if it did have the right call to action on it, nobody would take action on it because the people that you're looking for are not reading this magazine. Yeah. So that's that's really how Brand Story can, can work for you. So, that, you know, the, the elements, and you'll see this at the bottom of the infographic, vision, mission, brand differentiation, values, personality, and the tribe. When you know those elements, they influence your communication, your visual identity, and your actions yes. in your business. And that's brand story at its best. When it's working right, it should be influencing naturally every every piece of communication, all the visual communication you do in, in your business. Um, and every action you take so that, you know, that's from the services that you create, the, the systems you put in place in your business, you know, it should all be informed by brand story. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, as I said, we've obviously got the infographic below in the show notes that you can check out uh, and obviously use that as a bit of a guide as well. But Amy, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Uh, you, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, very easy to find me there. Uh, if you want to have a look at the type of services I offer, go and check out my website, which is heartcontent.com.au. Uh, and you can also find me on Facebook, um, Amy Lee and heart content is on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to find me there. Fantastic. 
Wowza. Well, that was a big episode with so much content and juicy stuff in it. Now, obviously, you can head to the show notes and grab the infographic and all of Amy's details as well. But I really hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a lot out of it. You might have listened to it in a couple of sittings. But I think that it's really important, like I said at the beginning, to really have a look at each of these elements of your brand story and work out if there's areas that you need to maybe focus a little bit more on. Well, that's it for another week. Once again, if you're not following me on social, you can find me everywhere at Suze Chadwick, S-U-Z-C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K. We've got some pretty epic episodes coming up still for the rest of the year. And if there's anything that you'd love us to talk about on the podcast, any questions that you've got, then you can always hit me up best on Instagram at Suze Chadwick. Send me a DM. Let me know a topic that you would love me to cover. And I would be more than happy to do that. But until next time, have an awesome week and I'll see you soon.